this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show. On the Relax Back UK show, we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Hi, and thank you for joining me, Mike Dilk, on the Relax Back UK show. This episode is slightly different to use to usual, but I think it's becoming one of my favourite. I managed to persuade the music mogul Stephen Machat to talk with me for about an hour. Now this guy has done loads. As an example, in the music world he's represented ELO, Genesis, Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, Leonard Cohen, who he used to share an apartment with, Phil Spector, Stacey Jackson, Snoop Dogg, New Edition and Bobby Brown. He's done plenty of other things as well. Here are a couple of examples. I actually read Henry Kissinger. I like Henry Kissinger. I've had times with him, and it's in my book, Gods and Gangsters. I like anyone that is able to sit and think freely. I put out native cultures, the music, the rhymes, the spirits, the energy. And I put out pop music because it amuses me too. He really has been a huge music mogul in the recording world. We made the biggest record deal ever made, ever, <laughs> in real terms. I was done. I was 25 years old, and I had a ticket to travel the earth. There are also some kind of funny stories. I represented Gianni Versace. I'll make you laugh. I loved his clothes. I brought him to the United States. You know, and that ended up a nightmare because of what happened. You know, we lost his representation because my dad's mistress threw up on him. He's moved away from some areas of the whole recording business, though, and he talks quite a bit about that. So what I did is I did a book about the manipulations I pulled to perpetuate what I needed to live in the lifestyle I wanted. And I got my honor back when I left that lifestyle. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't need it anymore. So as you can probably tell, I really enjoyed chatting with Steve Machat, and I think he kind of enjoyed being on the show. I'm honored to have you interview me. You're extremely bright. You're extremely mm -hmm. articulate. And you have a lovely smile of energy. Because I, <laughs> I see you inhaling whatever I'm throwing through this energy. And it's in your eyes. You have, oh, the, you have the look of love. And it's real love. You're, you're enjoying this. And I'm honored to do this with you. So I hope you enjoy listening uh, to Steve Machat as much as I enjoyed chatting to him and just listening for a great show thank you cool. my guest today is Stephen Machat he's a music business mogul and um I saw somewhere he, you also described yourself as a wandering dreamer is that right I like that are you too <laughs> thank you for reminding me I said that yeah, I think I think I need to learn a bit from that. I'd like I'd like to be a, a wandering dreamer. Uh, yeah, sure. So, all right. Anyway, I, it was suggested that I should talk to you um, because you know they said he's quite an interesting guy. You know, he's written a book, and so uh, I thought, all right, I'll do a bit of digging and see what I can find out. And um, quite an interesting guy is a bit of an understatement. I would uh, suggest like you, you you've done an awful lot, and and I hope we can chat about. You know, just a small percentage of the some of the things you've you've got up to because it's absolutely fascinating. But um, I started to try and dig around um, 
when I'm finding out about someone, what what I often do is sort of look up on on social media. But the first thing I noticed is that you, you're not big into social media at all, are you? No. In fact, you don't do anything on social media. We make you do it. Yeah. My PR people make me do it. You know, and then what I love about social media, it's not social media. It's corporate nonsense. You've got to pay these clowns to advertise and promote you. You know, and it's like Facebook. I go up there because I've got my my politically correct 5,000 friends and I show them what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And then you go on Instagram and you put your pictures there. And then what do you do? Well, you got to hire social media people to see you. And I'm like, the whole thing's stupid. How about Spotify? That's the biggest bull crap that there is. It's destroyed the music creativity. And it made it, made it where it's just nonsense. 65,000 an artist a day go up and put their new songs up there. And you think you're going to have a hit. And then you pay to have people stream you. They put you up on a social streaming list of 250, 300 songs that last four or five days. And now all of a sudden you got a stream. It's like no one's listening. That thing needs to be closed down. They collect money. They get you in membership. And then they hustle money on the stock market where they'll probably go bankrupt because they can't pay out their fees. It's a nonsense. We need to go back to what we had. We need to go back to people learning and discovering and not letting the computer do your talking. So when you say learning and discovering, you're not just talking about music. You're talking about everything. I get the impression. It's nonstop. Like right now, you and I, hey, man, let's go to dinner. Well, where should we go to dinner? I don't know. Hold on a second. And you go and you go to your source and you ask your source, what's a good place to take Steve to dinner? Yeah. And the source will recommend places for you. It's like, what is this? And then you find out that these places advertise to trap you. And then it's like, what is this? You know, it's it's a game. I actually read Henry Kissinger. I like Henry Kissinger. I've had times with him, and it's in my book, Gods and Gangsters. I like anyone that is able to sit and think freely, right? And he wrote a book, and it's all about computers. And he's saying there's a problem because first off, computers are no better than the person that put the answers into it. Now, what you got to watch out for and you better pray it doesn't happen is when a computer can do your thinking, because believe it or not. And I come from a nation that produces more bombs, more weapons than any other nation. We have more handguns in our nation than the rest of the world has in all the nations. And we sit there and we believe we're doing some people, I think, haven't you? Yeah, it's like, and we believe we're doing Christ's work. What will happen is if those computers could start thinking and interpolating on their own, there'll be no mankind left because the computers are going to go, should we keep the mankind alive? And from beyond, they may say, those animals kill themselves, get rid of them. We'll create a new so this is very topical because yesterday I heard a, a discussion whether some AI guy had made uh, a system which was sentinel, had had um, could think for itself and was a sentient being. And he he sworn he had done this, but other other people didn't didn't believe him. I kind of I'm on the non-believing side as well. I, I have to say, I believe it could happen, and I'll tell you why. And this is right where I am. My new book is called We've Got to Get Out of This Place. So now 
We're going to take a station break and I'm going to plug it. All your listeners should advance to the book. And you can get it on Amazon or stephenmachat.com or the School of Sacred Knowledge. Thank you for the advertisement. Now going back. So now inside this book, you'll find that I explain to you who you are. None of us know who we are. Even though I know who I am, that doesn't mean I'm correct. But I'm going to give you an opinion. I'm an energy source that came from the Supreme Being. You're an energy source. Your listeners are energy source. We're individual drops from a, a, a source that left the Supreme Being, and it's called consciousness. We're an electric current that can think and interpolate. And what we did is we created matrices where our bodies fall into. No, we, we fall into a body. And all of a sudden, we're earthlings. Now, what's also interesting for your listeners, in our universe, we're the only planet that has a real name that's not a god or a goddess, which is interesting. The other eight do. And the sun was the sun god. They called it Ra. They called it Marduk. You know, they called it whatever, Zeus, the second, the second god coming from the first god, the supreme being. Every religion, every mythology, the second source are called gods. The first source is called the creator or the supreme being. So we come from the creator. And what we do is we're in this body and we're here to discover and learn love. Love is God. God is love. I believe that. Now that as we discover love. Stephen, let me just in, in, interrupt you there for one there moment. You go. Because what you're saying, it doesn't sound like a hard-nosed business, uh, music, businessman, mogul. Where's all this coming from? This is this, surely, you know, everybody knows you as the, 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 the music mogul that makes things happen, the big businessman. This doesn't sound like a big businessman. Where, where, where did all this spring from? This is real big business. This is people business. Okay? So great. I could copy and make more hamburgers, which is really what it's about. I look for idolists, people who believe in what I'm just telling you, whether or not they articulate it or not. I couldn't have articulated this when I was sitting with Sam Cook, and I'm asking him when I was 12 years old, how did you write this song? You don't know much about history or biology, but I do know that one and one makes two, and I want to be with you. I'm like, whoa, that's great. And then I asked him, I actually said to him, if one and one makes two, isn't that giving you the ability to make one and two? And he looks at me, he goes, Stevie, what are you saying? Well, Mommy and daddy were two, and now there's five shots. And he started laughing. He goes, you just, you just shared something with me, Stevie. Very good. But I see this. I came here to play the game of life. And the game of life is dark. They make it dark by telling you you have to possess. A possess what? Well, you need to live with Christ. No, I want to live with Jesus. I want to live with love. I do not want to live with control. I believe the Antichrist is Jesus. I believe the Pope is going to hear my song. I put out an album with the Pope and it wouldn't come out. They wouldn't put it out because they were afraid the major record labels, they stopped it. We, I know, we I know, I know you had a chat with the Pope. Which Pope did you meet? I call him the Communist Pope. Okay, the Polish Pope. Yeah, the Communist Pope. It's not, That's okay. where the Vatican figured out. They hated communism because it took it took their form of God out of the equation. 
Communism is the same thing as the Catholic Church, except they make you worship the, ch the church, their version of Christ. They get all the money. They control it. What I love is I was in Paris and I had some people down there last weekend show me how much money the Catholic Church got to rebuild Notre Dame from donations. At the same time, they got the money from their insurance company. Well, maybe they should give the money back to the people who donated to them. Catholic Church gives away nothing. They sit there asking for alms. And I say to them, and I've said this to them, why do you take money from people in the name of God when if God wanted you to have money, according to you, you would have it? And they don't know how to answer that. Why doesn't God create a tree for you to climb it and take the money instead of robbing the poor to give them hope and despair? You ever go to a place called Lourdes? Not. <laughs> I went there and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. What is this? When it go, you go there and you could drink the water that Mary blessed. Yeah. But you got to buy the containers. So you have souvenirs. It's like, what are you doing? And you see all these poor people going there to get blessed. You ever go to Avion? I, no, I, I have been to Rome. I've been to Rome. I've seen like the, and I, I really enjoyed it actually, but it was, um, I did find it somewhat alarming as, uh, to, to some extent as well. It's disgusting, but go to Avion in France when they had the two popes, when the, the French king captured the pope and made the pope live in France, what was becoming France. I'm looking at this place. It's a palatial estate. I, I produce movies. I, I'm involved in a lot of movies. That's the best set I've ever seen for the Middle Ages, medieval <laughs> times. You know, it's, it's like where they had you. You know, I, I, I work with the Native American Indians, and they tell me stories from their grandfathers' grandfathers. And they tell me how, definitely in Central America, how when the uh, settlers came, they stunk. They were wearing, they got off and they put on all this metal. And they're sitting there and they're coming wearing metal to go kill people if they didn't believe in their version of Christ. They didn't take baths because they thought the water would contaminate them from the Black Death era. And I'm like, that's, I get that. I've lived and I put out, I am the mogul. I put out native cultures, the music, the rhymes, the spirits, the energy. And I put out pop music because it amuses me too. Everything I mean, amuses me. Let, let me home in. You just you just mentioned some of the music you 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 put out. Let's ask you a question about that. So, because obviously music's very very important in your life. You you made um, a, a collection of crystal quartz bowl healing music, which sounds pretty cool. So, but the question is, do you really think music can heal, or is it is it just kind of nice? Does it just make you feel nice, a bit more relaxed? 100% it could heal you. And I'll tell you why. I study metaphysics. In other worlds, they would call me a metaphysics scientist. I've taken all the courses I could get my hands on. I read it nonstop. And unlike the scientists who work for corporations, I don't stop learning. I've learned this. I want to learn more. Now, specifically your question. You and me are particles. We're an energy. We have a body full of cells, okay? A cell has a protein, okay? That's your cover. It has a nucleus membrane, which keeps everything inside, the DNA that you physically become. That has nothing to do with the consciousness you are. And that DNA will 
basically limit your ability to explore life the way you want. Because that DNA requires you to be a beast. You use your bottom three chakras, and I'm answering, but it's a longer answer than hocus pocus. Here's your answer. So now you got three chakras. Those three chakras, what they call it in Eastern Orthodoxy, are where you basically excrete, where you basically have your sex organs, and where you have your organs that eat and digest the food that you've eaten, where you've killed something. And all forms of mankind's eating is you're eating something that was alive because you're trying to get the same energy, I'm telling you, that your body makes. And because we don't get enough in our make-believe perfect bodies, we have to go to sleep so we rest, so we don't exhaust ourselves of that electric charge that does two things. You got your protein, okay, that goes right. That goes clockwise, like the earth travels the sun. Your electron, which is where your energy resides to keep the outer circle moving, goes the opposite way, much like a watch. The opposite way are your electrons. Okay, so where does your body get that energy from? Oh, you fell in there, and now your energy goes in, and it gets absorbed in all the nucleuses that are going to be produced in the egg as it develops that was created by the supercharge that your father gave your mother in an act of love when they wrote a song together and you're the song. You are the creation. You are a bunch of energy that sits and moves and gets your body to go. And you're, you're particles as well as dense. That's quantum physics. Your energy could be in two places at the same time, except you, me, and everyone listening can't get out of our body yet. But you could go dream, you could meditate, you could fly. But going back to what you asked me, if I got you depressed, I can play you music and that will charge your particles and you'll wake up and you'll get going. I could get you so depressed, you want to cut your wrist. I had an artist that used to sing like that. His name was Leonard Cohen. You know, he put you into deep depressions. You know, and it, it, it's interesting watching people bring you up or bring you down. And when I was a boy, I was listening to Timothy Leary on the Moody Blues. Here's a CIA operative that got stuck on the LSD he created to see how plants, the chemicals of plants, can influence you. It was copied from the mushrooms, the fungi. The fungi yeah. are a third organism. They're not plants and they're not animals. They are the conduit where energy can come and change your world. If you see a rock on a cliff, a fungus will get on it and you'll start seeing different green grass growing there. That fungi is eating the rock and reproducing the moss or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Let's, I, I study this stuff. Let's, let's bring things a little more um, down to earth. Okay. I want to, you, you lived in England for a long time. Okay. Um, what brought you to England? Why did you come to England? In 1977, I had just graduated law school, Vanderbilt, and my goal was to become a political leader of the greatest democracy in the world that was killing people in Viet Cong. And I wanted to know why my country believed that we had to do this to save democracy. And I wanted to know why the Catholic Church got us in the middle of this. And there I was in Tennessee, and I was going to go back and go run for office. 
My classmate was Al Gore. And I got out in 77 and 76, he dropped out of law school and took a vacant seat and became a congressman. And I was going to go do this. Same way I took the California bar because who knew? And after it was over, I'm answering you. What happened was dad had me live with Leonard Cohn. So we're living there and I'm like, Dan, I'm out of here. I'm going back to Tennessee. No, you're not. I, I can't have that happen. Elvis Presley dies. And all of a sudden, my father and a man named Freddie Beanstalk have a great idea. Marty, I'll help you out. Next thing I knew, I'm in England and I'm putting together the play for Elvis. It ran from 1977 to sometime before 2010. That play became a forerunner of all the other plays of musical artists and their music, where for that two and a half hours and you're 50 to 150 quid, you could sit and dream again. You know, you can watch the Kings. Or you could watch Michael Jackson, or you could watch ABBA. But Elvis was the first one. Okay. I'm here in England, and there was a band I loved called the Electric Light Orchestra. And yeah. my father had had dealings with Don Arden, David Arden, and Sharon Arden, who you know as Sharon Osbourne, he didn't know, because she was the tax relief that Don needed living in L.A. after he got his daughter out of here. Next thing I know, I became friendly with David Arden. And next thing I know, Don Arden's calling my father and he's saying, Marty, I want to meet your son. And maybe it's time that the Ardens and the Meshach works together. Next thing I know, we're in the middle of it. And I'm dealing with Don Arden, who would do almost anything. And they're asking me, well, what do you think, youngster? How can we get out of our deal with United Artists, that being Jet Records? I said, Don. Let my father and I write a letter to Transamerica, which owned Jet Records, and tell them they can't have this act. And Don looks, he goes, well, what would that do? And I studied corporate nonsense in school. I studied with people from the SEC. I said, if they're trying to sell this, and we're the biggest act in United Artists, and we're telling them there's no contract, they'll let us get the act back. They'll sell us back our asset. And my father just went crazy when he heard that. We write letters. And the next thing I know, we're getting Jet Records free, not just ELO, free from United Artists. And we sold it to Sony. We made the biggest record deal ever made, ever, <laughs> in real terms. I was done. I was 25 years old, and I had a ticket to travel the earth. And then there was a guy named Monty Lifner who ran a company, you know, and he ended up buying Arista Records. And he had his record label out of Munich, Germany. He had nothing but money. And he kept offering me more money. And I'm a youngster. And I really believed I was going to go to every country in the world while ELO made their new album and make different record deals in every country. I would have had a blast. When they realized I was really going to do it, and Monty kept offering more money, Dick Asher of CBS International gave us so much money we couldn't say no. And I was so upset. And the next thing I know, I'm living between London and L.A. I'm having a blast. The only time I wanted to be in New York, like people here root for Chelsea or whatever, I root for the New York Yankees. So the only time I wanted to go back to New York was to watch the New York Yankees. Other than that, I, I lived between London and L.A. I had so a you, plan. So, so, <laughs> so you, you were mid-20s. You had more money than you knew what to do with. You were just having some fun. I had the access to people, not the money. Because if I gave you all the money, 
That doesn't mean you get all the people. All the merchants may love you. I had the people. Okay. And I had the artists because all of a sudden, there was this kid out there who was anti-establishment. I did not. I represented Gianni Versace. I'll make you laugh. I loved his clothes. I brought him to the United States. You know, and that ended up a nightmare because of what happened. You know, we lost his representation because my dad's mistress threw up on him. But anyway, <laughs> it's hard. Could you that, imagine? That's another show in itself. Let's go yeah, yeah. that bit, maybe. Can you imagine? Tell me the details of that. She's, she was a drunk. You know, and I'm begging Dad. I said, Dad, don't bring her to Club A. She'll show off. And he brought her in there and he promised she'll behave. She saw my father and I talking to Versace. She came up drunk as a skunk, as a skunk will shoot you with its poison. And she goes drunk and she puts out her hand. I am Marty's, whatever she called her. I am Marty's later. And as she's saying, lady, she threw up all over him and then fell down on the table that separated him. And I'm like, oh, I lost the client. But um, Versace's issue with me was I wouldn't put on a tie to complete his suit. I'm like, I'm not wearing a tie. I got thrown out of Tennessee court when I was a public defender because, and at times I look good in a tie, but I refuse to wear a tie. I'm not going to choke my throat. And I'm representing this guy in Tennessee court. And they told me to get out of the court until I put on a tie. And I said, okay. And the judge looks at me and goes, where are you going? I said, I'm leaving. He needs a new lawyer. So you have to delay the case. He goes, get in here. And I go into his chambers and he goes to me, um, what are you doing? I said, I'm not wearing a tie. He goes, I require that in my court. I said, well, you're the court of the Crimson King, which was one of my favorite songs. He didn't get it from King Crimson. And I said, you know, I'm not putting it on. So therefore, I can't work in your court. And he says to me, why? I said, because I can't breathe. You're making me choke. And you're making me make everyone else believe that I'm in a system, but the system threw my guy in jail. And he didn't commit this crime. And I need to represent him where my mind works. And I don't live in your fear because I can't breathe. You know, wearing a tie. And um, he let me do it. And I got waved into the Tennessee court and my teachers at law school. I became a lawyer while I was in law school. They couldn't believe I did that. I'm like, fuck him. Why do I have to wear a tie? I'm like, I'm not part of that system. You know, in 2009, when I was living here in England, in 10, the bankers bankrupted the world and all of a sudden the world gave them the money to give back to you. If yeah. I sat next to someone wearing a tie with my son, we would ask to be moved because I can't sit with someone that has no moral compass. I hate bankers by definition. They're hard for me to handle. And the first thing you'll find is they try to buy spirituality when they can. And it's interesting. And let, maybe let me, that's I want to yeah. interrupt you again. Sorry, 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 Stephen. You'll always interrupt me. I, yeah, but I, this story you're saying with no tie and stuff, I, I heard something about you which just goes beautifully with this. When you were in England, you got married on Glastonbury Tour. Sort of. Is that right? We had, a, we had a hand-holding ceremony where we were able to break it, where we decided to not renew it. Now, you want a great story? With Debbie, I got married in Sedona. And we got married looking at the Red Rocks. And I didn't know this, nor did Debbie. And she's born October 20th. I'm born October 18th, meaning we're Libras. 
We got married on the Libra moon at full st- full picture with an eclipse on a on a porch, basically looking down 5,800 feet. That was like that was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Fantastic, fantastic. My uh, my 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 dad is so I'm 56. My dad is obviously a, another generation. He would uh, he'd, he'd look at this and he would have have a word for it. Um, he'd say that bloke, he's a hippie. <laughs> so is Jesus. That would be your answer to him. Yeah. What What would you say to my dad? He's, he's dead now. But if he turned around and said, yeah, you're just a hippie. <laughs> I would tell him, so is Jesus. That's a pretty good answer. Pretty good answer. I want to ask you about something else. Your, your first book, right? You've written loads of books. The first book you wrote, God's Gangsters and uh, what was it? God's Gangsters and Honor. What was this about? Was this about writing about all the kind of business practices and stuff you found you came across you just didn't like? It was more than that. I told you I was a tool for the system. Yeah. Because I got married and had an overhead raising my kids. So I needed access to cash. And the system is breaking. The systems became bankers and they charged interest. And because they had to pay off the imaginary interest that didn't exist. Like right now, this could be serious trouble. Because the interest you're being charged is more than 100%. You can't do that. You can't keep making new interest. Sometime you're going to have an accounting and you're going to have to call the, the devil. You got to pay the devil it's due. So what I did is I took stock of my life. And I'm like, why did I do this if I believe everything that I'm doing is wrong? So what I did is I did a book about the manipulations I pulled to perpetuate what I needed to live in the lifestyle I wanted. And I got my honor back when I left that lifestyle. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't need it anymore. Maybe it happened when I found out I was a diabetic type one. Because I was like, what makes Sammy run? If you know that book, I wanted more. I wanted more. I was Pac-Man. I wanted more. I had 50 artists on the contract. I was running circuses all over the world. And all of a sudden, I had to fix my blood sugar. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at my life and no one gave a shit that I had diabetes one. My doctor told me I wouldn't live to see 60. I told him you're wrong and I proved them wrong because through my, through my desire to learn how my body works and the particles that are your body, I learned metaphysics beyond belief. I know how your body digests. I know what you do as an animal. And that's what I was telling you earlier. You know, your body, there's no difference between you and me without our spiritual awareness that we are a consciousness from the supreme being, we just be animals. And we are animals. We're sitting here and we're killing people. You got this clown called Putin who wakes up and decides he's going to invade Ukraine. Why didn't Russia take him out? Why does Vladimir Putin want to become Vladimir the Great, the man that discovered and created a country called Russia, which comes from the word Rus, R-U-S, which is a Viking word, which means men with oars on the Volga River, the Viking River, that goes from the Black Sea to the Baltic Sea. And then the country called Ukraine, that definition means border land. It's the land that had three empires running it. And one of them was the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, which was the Holy Roman Church, which was 
the Jesuits and the Catholics. And they started World War I and World War II. And they went after the Eastern Orthodox Church, which they've been fighting for a thousand years ever since they excommunicated themselves in 1066. It's I, insane. And the Ukrainians I, I, were the Nazis. They were the stormtroopers. And it's like, how could you live in a world where you I think saw you talking about this. I, I saw you talking about this on a video. No, I, no, I, I agree. I, I saw you talking about this on a video with uh, Nigel Farage, um, who you were chatting to recently. You were having a beer with Nigel Farage. And um, so I watched that. And I've got to say, I was somewhat surprised to see you having a beer with Nigel Farage because you, you have run uh, to be a congressman, haven't you? Uh, no, uh, uh, on a, and you're a senator. Okay, as a progressive Democrat. And I've got to say, I'm not sure I would describe Mr. Farage as uh, a progressive uh, anything. So, uh, But it was nice to see you two getting on and having a beer together. I was kind of surprised, though. Well, Nigel Farage, I liked him. I found him to be nice energy. And I believed if I could move his particles in his body so he could see beyond yesterday, yesteryear, and maybe see tomorrow, it would be better. I think but you'd you have to make him drink a lot more beer than one pint to be able to do that. Or maybe just shoot him with the energy of life. He didn't know what to say to me. If you really watched that, he was like, oh, my God, this guy's making sense. <laughs> and by the way, if you make sense, you're making energy. The energy turns into seeds. The seeds turn into money. It's like the music industry. The music industry is an industry of art. Okay, that means create. Well, all these clowns running the major record labels are doing nothing but perpetuating the corporation nonsense called vampirism, which they call capitalism. They're teaching you how to make quantity become quantity. But art begins as quality. It's subjective. And the game is to make it objective. But if you don't have subjective art, you're putting out the same hamburgers. I like the idea of creativity and a lot of things that I've, I've looked at when I was, I was looking at your website seem very creative. One of the things I noticed, you, 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 you went back to the USA after you were in the UK and you started a non-political party. But I, that, I thought like a non-political party, that's just a party. Actually, that sounds like quite good fun. What, I mean, what, what was that about? I wanted to overturn the Federal Reserve. Did you? Why? I mean, no, I, I mean, I'm not an economist, but wasn't that made to stop runs on banks? That seems like a good plan. Uh, no. What it was was to incarcerate every American into the concept that 13 banks, right, would control and distribute the currency of America. We don't own those banks, the United States. Those clowns. And I believe they're the devil. As Supertramp sang about, it's the crime of the century. It's the greatest gangster game ever created. What they did is they created an organization that the United States would, by fiat, create currency. First, they made believe it was married to the gold standard, which goes back to the Anakis, which is my book, The Colonization of Earth, The Making of Mankind. But let me bring you into today. We're not on a gold standard. We're on a fiat standard. So the United States sits there and decides we're going to create cash 
and we're going to take care of what's going on in our country. They sit there and discuss it. They negotiate it. And I can't believe that I, Stephen Michette, can't be standing there in that U.S. Senate telling each and every one of them, wake up, people. Why can't we reduce the debt? Why are we paying the Federal Reserve this interest? Why are we giving them anything? It's, it's insane. They should distribute it the same way the guy that created the Federal Reserve before me created the game monopoly. That is a governmental job, and you do not pay third parties. You do not let them own your currency. If you look at a U.S. dollar, and it gets better, a U.S. dollar is a Federal Reserve note. If you come to America and you got your Federal Reserve note, what can you do with this? You could go to the United States Treasury and get a U.S. silver certificate, which is what John Kennedy did, and they killed him in 1963, because that would have taken away the banker's interest. The United States Federal Reserve started loaning money to the countries of Europe in World War I. And then the United States government loaned money to Europe in World War I. We forgave the debt of the countries through the United States government, but we made you pay back the J.P. Morgans of the world. It's insane. It's slavery at its utmost. Then what they did in 1944 is they created the International Monetary Fund. You want to see who the United States enemies are? Any country that doesn't belong to the IMF. (laughs) You know? Like Cuba, I ended up in Cuba. I produced some music there and I did the last Bona Vista Social Club and we put it out as, you know, what is, whatever his name is, Awahe and his Bona Vista Social Club, which was one of the most beautiful things I've ever done. And we hate Cuba because Donald Trump hates everything, not Donald Trump. And Joe Biden was trained in a World War II mentality. So instead, he's now bankrupted my country giving Ukraine weapons, believing weapons of mass destruction will finance the United States economy. And now we're in debt and the people of the United States have to pay back that debt. That's insane. It would have been smarter to send our people in there like they're invading Uganda. And, you know, stop. The the war is the stupidest thing in the world. And in 1994, Russia asked to join NATO and they were told no. I mean. No one's right. And everybody's wrong. We need to stop war. We need to stop hate. And I ran creating a non-political party where um, I was going to take out the Federal Reserve. Um, you weren't successful. <laughs> no, I was. they thought I was nuts. So then what I did is I got involved with pot because I just think that's criminal. Putting people in jail for smoking another nature. And I got it on the ballot in Florida. So not long after that, I came across something else which kind of intrigued me about you. You meditated for three days nonstop. What, what brought that on? And did it work? Did it, did, yeah, did it get done whatever you wanted to achieve? I read. I read nonstop. And I read Yogi Nama. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't like my life. And I know I'm here to do something bigger and better. So I read his book again, and he said to me, the way to talk to God, the supreme being, he calls God the same thing I do. He said, you got to call for his presence. So I didn't meditate nonstop, but I meditated 
not stopping, if that makes sense. Yeah, I did it. I did it for three days. And I sat there and I let the sun come in and I sat on my porch in Miami and I just sat there closing my eyes. And one day, the third day, um, I heard in the presence of the Lord. I'm like, okay. I am like in the presence of the Lord. And then I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, that's a song. And then I remembered the song. So I went and I pulled on my computer, uh, Blind Faith, and I put it on. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I'm in the presence of the Lord. So I listened to it as I meditated. And I started seeing explosions. I started seeing light. I felt the energy of love. And I'm like, this is absolutely gorgeous. And I tried to stay in that state as long as I could. Yeah. This wasn't just because you hadn't slept for three days. No, no, I sleep. I could, I mean, I'm known for this. I could sleep on an airplane. I could sleep in the floor. <laughs> you know, I've slept on floors. It's like, no, I could sleep. And by the way, when I sleep, I meditate. What I do is I'll share this with your listeners. I look for the hole in my mind sky, not my brain in my mind. Your brain and mind are two different things. And your mind keeps you as a beast. It does not let you become more than you are because your brain makes you survive. It teaches you to survive your higher powers that reside in your mind. When you get the energy override the brain and quantum physicists will teach you this. There's a default mechanism in your brain that when you start shutting it down, so you can get out of its control, it makes you see things. It makes you feel the energies of your past which perpetuates fear, wants, and needs, and you start wandering. And you got to learn how to shut down your brain. You got to let go and go there. So the trick with sleeping, and Debbie, my wife's like, I can't believe you could sleep anywhere. And what it is, is I go to the hall, and I'm like, okay, I'm jumping up. And here comes Peter Pan, and I'm going to go look for the pirates and their lost ships. And that, by the way, that's what that book's about. And I just go there. Fantastic. All right. I'm going to take that on board. I want to move things on to a bit more recently now. Okay. And so you started, sorry, you're right there. Yeah, I'm just lucky. You started. I'm, I'm amusing two people here with me. That's good. And now they're getting bored. Who are the other? Bring them on. Bring them on. Say hi. Who we got here? Come on, Debbie. We've got here Debbie. My wife. Hi. Hi there, Debbie. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, very well, very well. So, Debbie, how, how, how long have you been married? Uh, four weeks. Yeah, four weeks. Oh, you're joking. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we know each other since 1964, but we've just got married. <laughs> and uh, we didn't start really going out until 2020. Okay, so you've known each... I was born in 1966, so you've known each other longer than I've been around. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, you got married four weeks ago. That's fantastic. So, like, so look, is, is this your honeymoon? What the hell are you doing talking to me? You shouldn't be talking to me. Sort of honeymoon. We have a nonstop honeymoon. But ask, I'll give you a question to ask her. Ask her how we reunited. And this yeah, is how did you get back together? Where did like so 
you've known each other since 1964. When did you re meet? What? What? Well, we never really talked until 2015. He posted something on Facebook saying that his son died in a, a tragic car crash. And I sent him a private message saying, I'm so sorry, but I know how you feel. I lost my son too. And we reconnected that way. And then I helped, helped him run for U.S. Senate in 2016. And we were just friends. You, okay. So we, you, 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 you were part of that um, campaign. Yes. Right. We, we, so what, we, we, were you the brains behind it then? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was, I just kind of did a meet and greet for him and went to a few events for him. Okay. All right. Fantastic. All right. Look, I'm, <laughs> I've forgotten what I was, what I've been trying to ask now, because that's, uh, anyway, look, congratulations. Congratulations. I want to leave you, should we leave you, chat to you? Both now, because I want to move things on and talk about SSK Records and um, the School of Sacred Knowledge, all this, all this kind of stuff. Tell us about that, either of you. Well, she's my motivation. Go ahead. You go. You're, you're on. <laughs> because when I realized that we were going to become an item and we're thinking what to do, and I realized she loved music, she introduced me to a band, and I said, "Look." I'll do this with you and we're going to attract a lot of energy. I promise you. I said, as long as you don't yell at me when I start speaking to people throughout the day, let's go do it. And the school of sacred knowledge I've been dying to do for a while. And finally the time was right. And I've got it all together. Okay. So you, you found a, a band in the States um, and you've been looking for a band or a, a, a musical act uh, in the UK, yeah, um, someone that has some creativity and a bit of drive and a bit of oomph, which is sadly lacking uh, in many respects. I think. Have you found them? No, but I've I've met with different fans, and what I'm doing is I'm putting out a guy named Isaac Ryan Brown, who's in a TV show with Disney, and you know he wants to put out his own music, and I believe he's a great example for people. And he's 17 years old and he could sing and dance. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to put out his record. You know, we have the band Rocks Revolt in the Velvets, which came close to happening here in England, except I couldn't get it here. So that's two. I got Louis, the, uh, the mystic living in, um, in Glastonbury, who I'll be with tomorrow. We're putting his record out the 21st of July. Okay. He's, he's at Glastonbury tour right now, is he? Yeah, he lives there. Yeah, and we're going to go down there tomorrow, which should be amusing. And um, so we've got a couple of others. What else do I have? I've got a guy, Steve Scully, who records plants. And I'm going to give a course on interspecies communications. Plants talk to each other. So I teach and I'm sharing with others. And I have Steve actually teaching the course how plants communicate with each other. And how they create the biospheres they live in. Then I've got okay. my. Can you tell artist. us that? Can you give us a potted version of how uh, plants talk to each other? Through noise, through music. It's through noise. Yeah, okay. through frequency. And what he did is he liked the soil with the plants, and um, that was it. He brought it up to our ear. We hear different frequencies. Of course. That's what our DNA does to us. We don't hear like others. 
is this one of the courses in your on your in your school of sacred knowledge because I, yeah. I had a quick look on the website and there's a few different courses yeah. some not started most of them not yet started um what are the others we're starting well you get me so basically you're having me so maybe i'll use this tape and i'll put it up there so people could get a free example of me you can do that what's that yeah cool yeah why not right i mean what you're doing is you're ripping apart my body to get to my skeleton and um it's uh I, I give you the history of the world i can't stop like you give me a year like okay what happened in 1032 well Maybe that's when the man in England who was king, who was part Danish, gave up his crown. And he said, I cannot be king because I can't stop the seas. And I can't go invade the country in Normandy. You know, it's like, what was his name? Neil? I love Canute. that. Yeah. Canute. Yeah, right? Yeah. I love him. You know, it's I, I just hear shit. I, I do. All right. So let me ask you something else about this. The, the, your school of sacred knowledge and music wealth. You say the music wealth bit is about music on the metaverse. Yep. So what, what do you think of this whole metaverse thing? Because I know you hate social media. Isn't it just a progression of social media? I hate social media when it's redundant. I hate social media when you're looking at Kim Kardashian, which should make you throw up. You know, it's like, what is that? That's everything you shouldn't become, you know? You want a great story for your listeners? Yeah. The guy named Ray J, right? I was going to manage Ray J. Yeah. It's 2003. And I'm making a deal with a record label. And he comes in and he tells me he wants more money. I said, okay, why? And he comes in with his mother. He says, I'm going to be the biggest thing ever. And they sit there and they show me this tape that Kim Kardashian's mother is about to release. They want to show it to me. It's him having sex with her. And I'm like, don't put this out. And they go, why? This will be so big. I said, you don't understand the world. You're going to be accused of many things because you're the man and you took advantage of two women who are man eaters. It's more than Daryl Hall and John Oates singing to you, man eaters. You know, they're playing the sax that will eat you and devour you. And, and put it out. And all of a sudden, her career takes off and he goes bye-bye. And he ended up signing with Suge Knight, who was another old client of mine. But, you know, he never became what he could have become. I've, you know, while we've been talking, and we're getting towards the time where we've been going a long time. I'm going to have to um, You're making say, me say goodbye soonish. But like, you're making me think of Mickey Mouse. Now it's time to say goodbye. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. No, but. You, you've talked about, I, I don't want to stop talking, but I'm, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to talk again tomorrow or something. But you you dropped so many names of, well, you haven't dropped names. You've spoken about so many like famous people that are just household names. Like they're the sort of people you go and have a beer with or go and have a cup of tea with. It's just fantastic. It's like, <laughs> um, let me ask you a really, it's, it's like a bit of a dumb Wait, wait can I say one thing? Yeah. I'm honored to have you interview me. You're extremely bright. You're extremely mm -hmm. articulate. And you have a lovely smile of energy. Because I, I see you inhaling whatever I'm throwing through this energy. And it's in your eyes. You have, the, you have the look of love. And it's real love. You're, you're enjoying this. And I'm honored to do this with you.
No, I, I am really enjoying talking to you. There's no question about that. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I'm not sure I'm just going to ask my... I'll ask the final question. You can tell me if it's a stupid question or not um, and answer if you want. Of all these like famous, famous people you've dealt with, who did you like? Who would you prefer? Who did you prefer just hanging out with and having a cup of tea with and shooting the breeze? I'm going to tell you, listeners, a funny story. I was asked this question, and the listener kept pushing me, the, the asker. And I kept telling her, look, I, I've lived 50, 55 years doing this. Give me an error. I'll give you the answer. So she kept pushing me, pushing me. And I said, look, there's only one energy that's been with me my whole life. And it's the only energy that through my whole life I've ever enjoyed talking with. And this woman's engaged in it. And I said to her, it's the supreme being. She goes, uh, 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 I, 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 did, did he just say God? Did he just say God? And all of a sudden she ended the, she's like, we thank you very much, Stephen. You know, and she got off. So just give me an era and I'll give you the answer. So you were born in 65, right? You said 66. 66 I was born. Right? Yeah. You froze. Sorry. My back. I'm still here. Oh, no. I can't lose you at this moment. Ah, You're look. back. I'm back again. Yeah. 66 I was born. Okay, so 1966. Yeah. So now it's 1977. Okay, you're 12 years old. Yeah, that's good. I loved working with Jeff Lynn. I, I loved the music that came before that. You would summon the greatest lyrics imaginable. Right? I mean, yeah. where did he get, you know, um, what was it? Uh, strange magic. Where did that come from? You know, it was fantastic. And he taught me so much. You know, I don't know where his lyrics came from because after he got divorced, he couldn't write those lyrics anymore. Right. And I found out his first wife was a school teacher. All right. What does that mean? Voila. Now, where are you? We're in 1983-84. Peter Gabriel was my favorite then. You know, it was fantastic. You know, I'll move you up to 1990-91. Yeah. Maybe he was producing acid jazz with all of them, trying to find a new form. You know, I had a Dembski then, and out of a Dembski, we got Seal. Maybe the year 2000. I don't know. Maybe it was when I was putting out, you know, the Crystal Bowls and all those people who desperately wanted to communicate with the masses, and I became their ticket to ride. I put that out. I'll tell you something funnier. I started sending crystal balls to the record labels and they tried to put me on that blue window bus where I'm licking, licking the windows. What happened to Stephen Machete sending us crystal balls? And I'm like, all right, whatever. And then after that, I did hippos and tanks with my son. What could be better than to make a record label with your son? And your son is the curator. And my son had aesthetics. And we had Dean Blunt, we had Arker, you know, we had Dean Blunt, Arker, what else? We had Grimes, right? With Dion. And all of a sudden I end up with Young Lean and I knew that wasn't aesthetics and I knew it was danger because it was dark. 
And what did I do? I encouraged him. We put it out in spite of it. And I said, Baron, do it. You'll break it and you'll have everything you ever want. So we put it out. We managed it. We broke this band called Young Lean. And I realized it was dark energy. And it killed him. And then I sit here with Debbie right now and my energy is my books. It's the song I sing to you. And I sing it with the Supreme Being, what I told you earlier. Yeah. And as long as I could stay on my path and meet people like you, and with your enthusiasm and your smile, I'm honored. Because some people will think of whatever, but many are going to go, you know, he's making sense. And if I make sense, I made a seed. If I made a seed, plant it and let your love grow. It was one of Eric Clapton's greatest songs. And through song and dance, which I put all over my books, I explain my thoughts, my philosophies. And the book I wrote now, We've Got to Get Out of This Place, I really believe is my dedication to mankind. I give you my thoughts and philosophies from my 70 years, 69 years on earth. It's actually 70 years. On October 18th, it's the end of my 70 years. Okay. As we celebrate the end. But I share with you what I've learned. Why does a man like me still love air? Why do I still love breath? Because I can make you believe. If I can make you dream. And if I'm that man that walks around living a dream, as I walk and come into contact with you, what a great life I've had. Okay. Look, you, you have had a great life. I've had a great hour talking to you. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And um, I think because my show isn't very long, <laughs> I'm going to have to say cut it now. But it's been a, an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Uh, so thanks for taking a, a, an hour, a good hour to chat. I really appreciate it. Keep in so touch with me and take good care of yourself. Yeah. And if you buy the book, I, will. You know, I didn't tell your listeners where to get it. You can get it on Amazon. We've got to get out of this place. And my name is M-A-C-H-A-T and Stephen with a V, S-T-E-V-E-N. They could also get it on stephenmachat.com. And they could also find out about it at the School of Sacred Knowledge. If you read it and have questions, let's do another one of these. Yeah, all right. The world oh, needs to understand sure. what I see. I will make sure that all, all, all those links... they. The listeners can will know all those links and and I'll, I'll I'll put them in the blog and all that stuff. So many many thanks, absolute delight. That was the Relax Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening, and please do join us again next time.